So you can do it if it's you can sustain it for sure, but you just don't want to do it in an unhealthy way where you're then binge eating. Like some people say, I'm going to keto through the week and then binge on the weekend. That could be um, harsh on the system, especially if you're Why binging. Why is it harsh? Why is it harsh? So Tanya, can you please tell us what the heck is keto? Is it good? Is it bad? Because I find it a little controversial. So I really want to get your insight on this. So the keto diet, which I think most people know about these days, is a very restricted diet in that it, you reduce your carbohydrate intake in by 20 grams often or less. So that means you're counting carbs to the point of even green vegetables. Like what greens are you eating? And I remember being introduced to the full-on keto with a patient who is type 2 diabetic and it was very effective for this individual tracking everything and managing this person's type 2 diabetes through keto diet alone, which was quite outstanding. And weight loss always would happen when they would follow the keto diet and type 2 diabetes was managed while on keto. And so the reason why I say while following it and while on it is it's so hard to maintain. And I think that any kind of diet that's challenging to maintain is probably not necessarily something that I would recommend or, or, you know, like say, okay, I want you on the keto diet. I always feel like if I'm going to recommend something, it kind of has to be more of a lifestyle change. Having said that, I will still recommend short-term diets like elimination or in this case, a keto diet. If someone perhaps has a lot of weight to lose and they are at risk for, you know, cardiovascular like issues like hypertension or type two diabetes that's unmanaged maybe with medications, or perhaps they're just so strong about not going on, um, you know, type two diabetic medications and they're willing to do what it takes temporarily doing this and then kind of merging over into, or just graduating on to more healthy, sustainable nutrition because so how hard- so hang on. So when you say 20 grams of carbs, let's put it into like something that we can fully identify. What does that actually look like in a day? Cause that's a day, right? Yeah. 20 grams of, so, so 20 grams would be like half a cup of brown rice the whole day, no green vegetables, fruits, or any other carbohydrates, for example, or it could just be green vegetables in a, in a, on a plate. So it's so very meaning low. 20 grams of, uh, of green vegetables is carbs. Yeah, that would be your how much only is carbs. That? So how much it, would it be like, you know, a couple cups of greens and that's it. So you wouldn't have any brown rice, breads, quinoas, uh, fruits, vegetables, like beyond that, no sweet potatoes, nothing. So to me, it's a concern because if you're limiting, you know, your, your carbs or perhaps the sauces, like let's say you're wanting to have meat and then your only sugar for your carbohydrates is in your sauce, then maybe you're missing out on good bacteria food, which is, you know, in the form of prebiotics, you're not getting enough, uh, carbohydrates that are feeding your good bacteria and you're shifting your gut microbiome. So right. I think it's really important to get healthy carbohydrates because long-term it's not only is it an increase, uh, or is it hard to maintain? It could be an increased risk for colon cancer if you're just doing keto and not getting good carbs and there's good keto and bad keto too. So like, you know, a healthy keto 
diet would be involving good fats, like, cause it's a very high fat diet, but like avocados and salmon and walnuts and, um, you know, maybe some cream, but a not so healthy keto diet might be like lots of whipped cream and high fat dairy and, you know, lots of saturated fats. So like red meat, cause you're trying to offset the carbs with fat. So this is where the problem sometimes ensues is because you're, if you, if you have, let's say, um, struggles with weight and you're, you know, you're maybe pre-diabetic and that's, what's kind of pushing you to jump on a keto diet, to drop weight and improve your insulin sensitivity, because it can improve that, uh, by really giving your pancreas a dra- break and dropping your, uh, by dropping your pain, uh, by dropping your carbohydrates, <laughs> um, you are increasing your dietary fat by so much that you could trigger bigger releases of bile acids, um, which means like from your from your gallbladder. And if you didn't know you had pre-existing gallbladder sludge or stones, you could be trigger, triggering a gallbladder attack. Or so meaning even, that you're on this diet and over time it can trigger their attack. Yes. Right? So, you, so that's really poignant because don't I see lots of people even currently, like literally right now that are having gallbladder issues and they're like, I eat so clean. Right. So it's partly the high fat itself, but then it's also could be just the rapid weight loss. So if you're doing rapid weight loss, that can also trigger gallbladder attacks. Or let's say you're postpartum and you're nursing and you're trying to go, like you're trying to drop weight and you're increasing your fat intake, you're eating a whole bunch of coconut oil to make sure you can breastfeed. And all of a sudden that high estrogen to low estrogen as a breastfeeding woman, and then you know, you're triggering a gallbladder attack with the high fat as well. So hormone shifts can do that. So it's like kind of, you know, looking at what kind of nutrition regime are you going to follow that's healthy for you, depending on where you are in your life and being very cautious when you're ready to drop weight, not to be too drastic and not too quick and think how, what's sustainable? Can I do this long-term? And if the answer is yes, then maybe that would be a healthier regime to be on something more balanced in terms of carbohydrate, fat, protein ratio, instead of going so excessive with the and so restrictive with the carbohydrates. So you know how long do you think someone can stay on something that is more extreme without causing any negative consequences on their bodies? I think if someone was like really thinking, okay, I'm going to do this. And they did a screen, like they were going to do keto and they thought, you know what, this is lifestyle change. I'm doing this for life. Then great power to them. They're managing their type two diabetes and you know, they've dropped weight and they're feeling so good. Cause I hear patients say, Oh, like they've had keto highs. And I have some patients who follow keto and they're doing it long-term. They're doing great, but they, they do do it within a healthy way where they have carbohydrates, um, through greens and small amounts of the, you know, resistant starches like through quinoa or, or, uh, you know, what you would get through like a little bit of oatmeal. So some much smaller portions, but how long? So you can do it if it's, you can sustain it for sure, but you just don't want to do it in an unhealthy way where you're then binge eating. Like some people say, I'm going to keto through the week and then binge on the weekend. That could be um, harsh on the system, especially if you're Why binging. is it harsh? Why is it harsh? Because you're, you're over like eating and you're overwhelming <laughs> your pancreas when you finally get to, you know, eat your binge meal. And uh, there are some patients who 
or people who will eat so many calories in one sitting that it's just, it's too hard on the system. Like the pancreas gets overwhelmed. It shunts out a whole bunch of insulin. If you're pre-diabetic, it's not helping the insulin resistance by doing that binge, you know, restrict. Um, and then you're also overwhelming your digestion as well. Like, you know, some people will then have to throw it up because it's too much food because they don't know when to stop. Right. So I think balance is key. <laughs> so, you know, in gallstone formation, uh, you know, we, people don't know it. They can go through their whole lives, not knowing that they have gallstones. So it's important if you're going to initiate a keto diet, maybe do a gallbladder ultrasound just to make sure. And then in some cases you might not even have, um, known, like stones or sludge, you could do an ultrasound, you see the stones, but what if you have sludge and it's not viewable? So, you know, or perhaps, um, you know, you uh, have a family history of it. That might be a good trigger to say. So how do you, how does someone know they have sludge? And what does that mean? How do you sludge? So sludge would be like basically tiny, tiny little gallstones with mucus in the, like, it's like almost like a mucus sludge, right? in the gallbladder that, and then when they have, they can get to a point where no matter what they have food wise, it could just be like even a healthy salmon meal, like fish, good fats can trigger excess release or any meal could trust, uh, trigger the excess release of the gall, uh, bladder, um, bile juice. Cause the liver makes the bile acids and then it puts it into gallbladder for storage. And then when you eat a meal, the gallbladder releases, bile acid juice basically to break down those fats from that meal. You also get light pieces from the pancreas. So it's not just the gallbladder alone. That's why you can remove your gallbladder and still be okay. 70% of people who have their gallbladder removed don't suffer from diarrhea or loose stool from like, you know, too much fat in their, their gut because they still have lipase enzymes to break down fat. So, you know, going back to your question, um, so gallbladder sludge is like, a whole bunch of like tiny, tiny, like sandy grit that like stones that mixed in with goop, I guess, <laughs> that gets released when you're eating a meal and can cause a lot of pain, like a gallbladder attack. And so can um, it be corrected? Can it be reversed? Oh yeah. It can be reversed by um, eating a whole foods, healthier regime. Um, there are, you know, ways to get past that. And, um, you know, there are but herbs doing, that you can use and so but not, not, not doing, doing the keto. keto. No, right. you would have to be cautious with keto because the diet is so high in fat. It might be actually creating, it could help you It develop stones. And I think part of the problem is when you're doing the binge to restrict, um, that is like almost a recipe to then developing the stones. If you just did keto strictly, you might not develop the sludge or the stones, but it's like the the lack of ability to maintain it is part of why it becomes a, a an issue, right? Wow! Because it's like that combo with the um, you know eating sugar with the um, uh, high fat that can become an issue. And women with polycystic ovary syndrome are much more prone to developing gallbladder stones, and they're more likely to get. Um, on a keto diet because they're trying to drop weight and improve their insulin sensitivity so that they don't have to go on diabetic medication. So it's just something to be aware of. And we're more prone to it with the hormone changes postpartum or through perimenopause. So 
just being very cautious as to what kind of dietary regime you end up following. And if you are somebody with a high risk, let's say a family member with gallstones, like a mom or brother or sibling, um, you know, first degree relative and, or any kind of signs of like colic and, you know, after eating, be careful with how much fat you're eating, maybe get an assessment. And if, if the gallbladder ultrasound doesn't show up as an, um, positive, it doesn't mean you don't have gallbladder sludge and you can do a HIDA scan, which is basically where they have you take, consume a high fat drink, like dairy, milk, and then you have a blood injection of tracers that attach to your bile acids. And then they they watch the imaging uh, of flow of your bile acids as it moves through your digestive tract to see if there's any backup. And if there is a backup that in, in, or if it's slow to exit the gallbladder, it kind of means that you have sludge. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I didn't even know about this test. So, you know, if it's there for you, maybe that's a, something that you want to advocate for yourself. So just bottom line stuff like keto, what are you going to say right now to in like a couple of lines? So keto can be very effective for type two diabetes and for patients who have a lot of weight to drop when there are higher risk issues at play but it's not sustainable in my opinion for the long term and not necessarily advisable for long term from a, a colon perspective because you need good carbohydrates so think about when you're trying to drop weight um, and get healthier think about a more sustainable kind of whole foods healthier balanced eating and keep it to a shorter uh, regime if you're going to do the keto with no binging between instead perhaps um, going on to a maintenance routine. So just skip the binging part. And, you know, you asked me earlier, like how long would you do it? I think it's would vary depending on the patient, how much weight they have to lose, but just be cautious before you initiate a strict diet, like a keto diet. Well, so the bottom line on top of that is like, this is um, something that you might not want to do on your own and you need to consult your medical professional, someone like Tanya, someone like your um, medical doctor before you do any of this, because we don't want to do harm. That's it. So thanks guys for watching and hopefully you'll be back for more because we have exciting stuff ahead and check out our previous episodes because that will be very enlightening so do share and um, like subscribe and we'll see you soon